There's been a seismic shift in the Premier League during this international break. We didn't have time to hit on it during our continental catch-up the other day, but Newcastle have been overtaken by a Saudi-backed company, PIF. It's a move that's sure to shake up the Premier League, as another huge club with giant financial backing will join the likes of Manchester City, Chelsea, Manchester United, Liverpool. I'm Alex, here with Javier, for episode 325 of the Ghost Goal podcast. Where else is there to start, start Javier, than the Newcastle takeover? We've got Premier League games coming up this weekend, but I mean, surely, like, can you help me put into context for our listeners just how big of a development this is? I mean, it even prompted a text from you when it happened or the morning it happened that you were thinking we should do like a, an emergency pod. But I, I wanted us to wait a little bit, gather a bit more information, let the tea leaves settle and, you know, talk about it now. So what do you have to say so far? It's how much bit, are you shitting yourself? It's a little bit unsettling. <laughs> I I think it's kind of would be like if to put it into perspective for like American fans, maybe not at the same level of success as they had, but but actually maybe it'd be as if the Redskins suddenly just got new ownership and it was like the best ownership. I don't out know what there. team that is. I don't, All I don't right, know. The, if the Washington football team got the uh, yeah, I mean, you're, got you're, new, new owners. You're, you're using a racial slur to you know. <laughs> to identify a team that no longer exists, Javier. So uh, I don't appreciate that, and I'm sure our Native American listeners uh, would much rather you call them uh, by yes. their updated name. Washington football team. Imagine no, what you're trying to got... say is it's yes. a storied franchise that's been underperforming for you know decades now. They haven't really been a threat since the 90s. Right, when with they a huge fan base choked you know, the league. with a big stadium. like I think the capacity is 50,000. When they're, The stadium's always rocking, like a huge... It's like 60. It's like a, it, it's even more. It, it, it's got you know amazing atmosphere. So all it needed was was the, the the backing of somebody to come in and 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 change this club. I mean, it's it's the perfect club to to come and give financial backing. Honestly, that's why I'm so scared of it. That's why I think it's such a big deal because I think that this level of team, you know, when when they came in and bought Manchester City, Manchester City was a pretty big club, but they weren't. They never won a Premier League title or even challenged for for top four or anything like that. Newcastle for a decade were in the top four, had the the best player, you know, arguably in in Premier League history, and you know the leading goal scorer in Premier League history. So, it's, in Alan Shearer, in Alan yeah. Shearer, and you know Thierry never Henry, won a title with him though. Yeah, never won a title with him. But so there's there's a lot to get to on this. I'm not sure which direction you're going. Do you want to talk about like the general, like what it means for Newcastle yeah, first? No, I just like I, th- I think it's going to be like I think it's going to be, you know, in in the region of 200 million in, over the next two windows, and we might see 200 million even spent in the next summer. So I think in between or 150 million in the summer, and maybe 50 or 60 million in in the January. I'm sure we'll see a big signing in January. As a statement for Newcastle, maybe, a couple. maybe even two. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. And then several, five, six in the in the, and I wouldn't be surprised if if the if the manager they bring in now is someone who's a little bit risky. If it doesn't work, they'll axe him and bring in someone new in the summer. But the the favorite right now is Brendan Rodgers. Steve Bruce has his job right now, but Brendan Rodgers would be would, yeah, it's a miracle. This is this move or this takeover is about a week old. And 
I'm still absolutely shocked that Steve Bruce is in a job there because but, there's been nothing you know, that you've you know seen what's so crazy? far this season. Apparently, apparently in training, like all of the players were quiet because I think for a lot of these players, they know that they're going to be out of the club, especially if they love that team. Players like Matt Ritchie or who just re-signed a new contract or, um, you know, I'm, I'm sure there's several other players who've been there a long time, you know, the Longstaff brothers. I don't know. Players who came up through the academy who probably th- have thought to themselves that I'm going to be on, on in this Newcastle team for a decade. They're not going to be there. They're all going to be out the door. So, Well, yeah, but that's, that's, that's part of the point, isn't it? That there's been a sort of staleness to this Newcastle team. Uh, for yeah, for two decades now, they've been relegated twice in that time, uh, and I mean a, a lot of that people have generally blamed Mike Ashley, their their former owner, for because you know for the last fifteen to twenty years, uh, he's he's basically allowed the club to just sort of fester in mediocrity. He's taken money out of the club rather than you know invested in the squad themselves to try and push them out of the, the season after season slog of flirting with relegation and then making a late push uh, in the season. That, that couldn't continue. And I, I'm, I'm happy for the Newcastle fan base because it is such a it's 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 such a diehard fan base, which you know you can say that about a lot of teams in England, but Newcastle is a big northeastern town. It's a one-club city. They have, you know, general regional rivalries with Sunderland and Middlesbrough, you know, kind of nearby. But that city itself, Newcastle, it's, it's the only club in town. It's the only show in town. And they, they do have a storied history, much more storied than uh, Manchester City, who, you know, had won trophies themselves in, in the, the 70s and uh, before that. But it, it's a sleeping giant, and it's been woken up. And I'm not going to say I'm not concerned as a Chelsea fan. I, I just think we have such a, a, a giant head start that, you know, it's not going to be right away that, that this you know, this money, this influx of cash that's, you know, bound to come in soon. is They're not going to be threatening, threatening clubs like Chelsea, Manchester City, Liverpool, Manchester United. Definitely not this season. And I think most likely not next season. Maybe there'll be more of a threat due to just the windows passing and then being able to sign players. But you're looking more like 2023 for them to be a club that's actually ready to challenge in the top four, you know, barring some sort of craziness happening at uh, one of the clubs that's currently seems to have a chokehold on on those Champions League places. But they're coming, that's for sure. So it's uh, very concerning. But I, I would say... Clubs like Arsenal and Tottenham, there's no more time to wait for projects if you're in Tottenham. Yes, you are ahead of Newcastle right now, but they're they're coming for you guys first. And uh, I'd be very worried if I was you uh, because I, I think the total wealth of uh, owners, when you, when you look at the breakdown club by club, you know, Manchester City's owners, the Qataris, they're valued at about, I think, 15 or 16 mil, uh, billion, sorry. And that's, you know, that's a rough estimate. Roman Abramovich, who was the big dog in town when he came in in 2003, he's valued at about $9 billion. The Saudis are valued at $300 billion. It's It's no joke. They're, they're, the valuation of the, you know, the Saudi royal family, who, you know, they've, they've made a lot of efforts to distance themselves from uh, PIF, the, uh, the, the, or the organization that's, you know, that's bought the majority stake in Newcastle. But, you know, the king is, you know, chairman of the board. You know, you, you can't realistically deny involvement and influence in a football club when 
the links are that you know there's not even any sort of degree of separation it's it's that blatant so so, so steve bruce is in the job for now it's it's amazing he's going to be uh, he's going to be still in charge of the club when uh, T- tottenham come to town this weekend I think that's going to be Sunday at 11:30 a.m. It's hard. It's hard to really link this new takeover news to this game because obviously there's no new players coming in. They don't even have a new manager. Uh, but do you think there's any sort of chance that Newcastle get a boost from this, or those players, uh, you know, show out a bit more to show that they are one of the ones that uh, can make a bid to stay? Because right now, I think only Alan San Maximan, maybe Jamal sells. and and that's about it. They're the only players that you'd think would probably still be around. And even that's kind of doubtful. Uh, the, the rest of those players need to start showing that they're that they're good enough to stick around for as long as possible. Because obviously, there's going to be uh, the, the new owners are going to be looking to make upgrades at every position so that they can actually push on and, and improve. I think it could have a negative effect. You know, I think the players could really be not concentrated. You know, uh, unsure of themselves. I don't know. I, I think like. Yeah, they they might try to show show good, well, but if things if they go down a goal or two, I think they could go down several goals. They haven't been good at all this season so far, so I haven't been impressed with Newcastle yet this season. Neither have I, but but Tottenham at home, it's at home, right? Pretty sure yeah, it's at it home. Is. It is. Tottenham at home, they. I mean, I know Tottenham, you know, beat a pretty impressive Aston Villa side last time out, but international break came and went. Uh, you know, kind of throws off the momentum a little bit with players going Tottenham away. Tottenham always beat Newcastle, though. Fair. They just have such a good record against Newcastle. So I'm going to say 2-1 Newcastle. Or 2-1 Tottenham. I'm going to say 2-2. Newcastle, I, I know they've not been great this season, but they have scored goals. And Kane's Alan scored. Maxima is playing pretty well. Kane's going to score. Uh, what's that? Kane's going to score. It's time. Yeah, that's fine. It can still be 2-2 if Kane scores. Newcastle but, has some uh, shite keepers in there. Tim Krul. No, not good enough. No, Tim Krul's at Norwich. Dubrovka and Darlow, but I think, yeah, but I think Dubrovka's, Dubrovka's injured. So Darlow's Dubrovka's right. injured, but, but Darlow's decent. I actually rate right. him. Yeah, he's all right as a backup, but I think he'll be fine for this game. Yeah, I'll say I'll stick to 2-2. Two, two. Alan Samaximan. He's going to run at Emerson Royale. It's going to be the grand old time. Where are they getting the second goal? Hey, they scored uh, two or three against West Ham in the opening day. You know, they're not not completely devoid of attacking options. I think you're kind of thinking of them from previous seasons. They've struggled to get the balance right between attack and defense, but they have been pretty good going forward uh, compared to to usually. Who's that? Joe Willock yet to score. He does, yeah, and he he hates Tottenham. Scored against them last year, so why not? He hates Tottenham. Joe, Joe may score. What do you want to move on to, Javier? Why don't we start with the other managerial entrance into the Premier League early Saturday 7.30 Watford, Liverpool Claudio Ranieri's appointed manager of Watford do we think he can do anything here to turn it around against Liverpool I mean Liverpool are on great form right now it looks like uh, Van Dijk I think is going to be out injured for this game um, that's not confirmed but he's a doubt and Liverpool had a lot of players playing on international break. What do yeah, you think? Yeah, but Sadio Mane and, and Mo Salah both have excellent rec- rec- records against Watford. I know it's away, and it's the first game after the international break, which I'm always wary of. But Watford did win that three nil though, uh, not too you know yeah, a couple of years ago. Yeah, no, at, at Anfield. yeah. I see. I see what you mean, but 
generally don't don't you don't you agree that Sadio Mane especially is just usually so strong against Watford he, home and away it doesn't matter he's usually popping up with like a, at least a brace I think there's going to be a, a a boost I think there's going to be a boost and I think they they get some sort of result here I'm going to say 1-1 I actually don't mind that I I'll say 1-0 Liverpool because I do rate Ranieri. I think that's a decent signing. It's kind of a similar profile of club to his last job up. in he Sampdoria. Could keep them up for sure. Yeah, when he was at Sampdoria, Sampdoria were you know languishing down near the relegation zone themselves in in Italy, and he sort of stabilized them, got them back to mid table. Didn't make they weren't an easy win for other clubs anymore. So if that's what Watford expect from him, which is what frankly they they should expect from him, then. You know, he's got enough experience in the Premier League, and this is a bit more of a Premier League level squad than the the Fulham squad was that he uh, took over a couple of seasons ago. I, I think he I think he can do a job here. I'm still picking them to get relegated, though, and I think it's a, a bit of a slog to start in the first game of his tenure against Liverpool, such a strong team. So I'll say I'll say one nil for Liverpool with them kind of flattering to deceive a little bit and. You know, coming off the international break, that 7 a.m. kickoff or noon kickoff, the early one after the international breaks is always it's always a killer. I always hate it when Chelsea get that that matchup. So, yeah, I'll say I'll say one nil Liverpool. We have five games here at 10 a.m. on Saturday. Uh, the first is Aston Villa of Wolves. That should be a fun kind of mid table type clash. Yeah, Birmingham think, Derby as well. Do you, yeah, Birmingham Derby. Do you think that uh, Villa get back on track on that? I kind of think that could be a fun one, like is two it, two. Villa hosting Wolves? Yeah. Uh, I mean, Wolves have definitely found uh, the, the kind of spark they were looking for with uh, Huang Hee-chan, the Korean striker yeah, they Jimenez signed. Yeah, scored Scott. as well. So, like, now they, they're, 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 yep. they're now, you know, firing. Also, just generally, the, 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 the link-up that those two players have had, Jimenez uh, assisted both of uh, Huang's goals against Southampton a few weeks ago. Uh, which, you know, what, what the best thing, the thing I've always liked about him, and as yes, he can get goals himself, but I wouldn't say he's like an out and out goal scorer or a poacher or anything like that. He's a really good all around center forward. So putting him next to someone who's got a bit more of goal scoring form at the moment, like Huang does, that, I mean, that's, it looks to be working and uh, there's going to be good things probably coming from it. But again, this liver, this Villa squad is. Is still very good. I, I was surprised to see them lose at Spurs, but frankly, that Spurs team that was sort of had their backs against the wall. I, I'll probably go for like a two-two high-scoring draw in this. I know it's a popular scoreline yeah, for me that, today. That's but, what I said too. Yeah, two-two. Yeah. Um, and then after that, we have Leicester Manchester United. This is a Leicester team that's been reeling recently. Haven't been getting the results that they've been wanting. You know, not in, not in a place in the table where they would want to be at this point. They've usually started off well under Rodgers, but it's really just been kind of Jamie Vardy inching them along. Um, and Manchester United as well. I mean, kind of erratic form, but they are still near the top of the table, so I don't think they can be too unhappy, but this is the start of their really hard run that they have that we talked about on, on earlier pods. So what do you think is going to happen here, Alex? Well, what has been my main criticism or concern for Manchester United so far this season? Do, do you even listen to me when we do these things, Javier? Do you even care? What? <laughs> it's been that they can't break down low block out. teams. No, yeah, that the. But then we talked about how. I don't Cristiano think that's Ronaldo a concern for this game. That. I well, I just don't think that's going to be a concern for this game. It's going to be a game that you know, for much of it, they will probably not look great because 
Leicester may have a good chunk of the possession here, but that plays into United's hands. They they can counterattack and you know find all sorts of space for uh, Ronaldo and Bruno and all the other cast of characters they have. Frankly, I think this is the Jaden Sancho breakout game. I think this is the game that, you know, maybe he doesn't score, but I think he is key in a few major counterattacks that lead to specifically Ronaldo goals. And I think United come out of this 3-1 winners. I, I really do. They're, I, I, I love it, Alex. I love it. I was it's, the, say, well, no, the it's other, the perfect matchup no, stylistically and, and for the, them. The other thing is, is that there's rumors that Brendan Rodgers is oh, going well, to be going okay. to Newcastle. You know what I've forgotten? There's do you know I've forgotten, Javier? The Varane Maguire injuries. All right, I'll adjust it a bit. They they are out for this game, right? Yes, both are out for this game. Which means some variation of Lindelof and Bailly, or you know, maybe Phil Jones. I don't know. It's that's a tough one, and that changes things. I I think I'll say two one Manchester United, and it'll be much closer. But you know, if their their team was fully healthy, I was going to pick a decisive Manchester United win. Um, but yeah, that that changes things slightly. Sorry, I cut you off. What were you saying? No, I still like three one United. I think offensively they have what it takes to to blow this Leicester team away, and I think Leicester are going to lose their manager probably to Newcastle. If not, you know, there's also been links of Rogers going to Manchester City in a year, things like that. So, I think Leicester are not going to be as good as they have been the last two seasons. I think the way that they challenged for top four and then fell off both times and didn't make top four. I could see them maybe making a run in Europa this season, but even them, and I, th- I think they might, if they lose Rodgers, like they're not, probably not going to do anything in Europa and, and, yeah, but, and end up but, but outside why go of big Europe picture? this season. They, they haven't had the best start to the season. They have but, you know, they points still have right now, wins. That's just, Yeah, they and they haven't have had here like, and there. the hardest start to the season, so... Well, we'll see about some of those games, like the the Brighton game that they lost. You know, that's that doesn't look like such a, an easy game now that it did at the beginning of the season. Brighton have themselves been pretty good. So there's certain fixtures like that that need to be, you know, context needs to be provided. They could just as easily win this game 1-0 and, you know, be right back on track. I don't think it will happen because, like I said, the matchup is perfect for Manchester United. And it seems like every time Solskjaer gets backed up against a wall, he comes out swinging, and his teams do too. hes I'll, I'll give him that. He's got a great knack for getting something out of his players, getting a reaction when it well, does so seem like R- everything's falling start, apart. Ronaldo's going to score in this game. So. Yeah, exactly. I mean, he's, I like he's scored in too. almost like damn near every game. So. Yeah, I'm going to say 3-1 United, your initial prediction. I still think that they win. It might even be more. I think it could even be like 4-2 because defensively they might have some problems, but I bet United get a bunch of goals because uh, – I know Leicester still have defensive problems as well. And players like Castagna were playing for Italy over the break, or for Belgium. Uh, Belgium, yeah. Yeah, and, you know, they're not going to be coming back tired, so. Yeah, and I'll stick with 2-1. Who the three might be pushing it. After that, we have Manchester City-Burnley, which I think should be a pretty easy win for City. I'll say probably 3 or 4-0 on that one. Um, and then is it at home for Manchester City? Yeah, it is. So that's going to be five nil. Don't they beat Burnley five nil at home usually, or four nil every time they play them at but home? Watch. Uh, I think only news on for City right now is Ferran Torres is going to be out for four to six weeks. Apparently, might be longer. So that's kind of a center forward and slash winger option. That okay? They're just going to have to play Mares and and uh, Raheem Sterling more boohoo. Um, and then <laughs> after that, we have uh, Norwich against Brighton, which Norwich has just to get a on. win. Yeah, they got to get a win somewhere, but 
come on, man. I don't think it's going to happen. Brighton, or if Brighton just get an easy win here, Brighton are going to keep chugging along. It's a good, good game for Brighton. Um, and then the last of the 10 a.m. games, Southampton, Leicester. That could be a sneaky good one. Both of these teams. Who? Southampton, uh, Leeds. I think like uh, that could that could be a sneaky good game. Probably two teams that are going to want to attack each other because Southampton are at home and Leeds just always attack. Could see that being there I mean, being. I mean, Southampton a need a, need a win. Yeah, they, they haven't won a game yet this season. I'm uh, gonna, and, I'm, I'm going to say Leeds are not on great form, so I'm actually going to say for this game, Southampton get the win, and. Uh, I'm going to say 3-2 Southampton. Oh, wow. So you're, you're saying people should watch that instead of Manchester United-Leicester. Is that what you're saying? No, because I think United-Leicester is going to have, like I said, like 3-1 okay. or 4-2. Yeah. Okay. I, I think another draw. Probably a 1-1. A, a I'll deviate from the 2-2 for once and uh, say 1-1 instead. Right. And then the last game on Saturday, we have Brentford against Chelsea. Your Blues... What's going on, Alex? What do you think is going to happen here? You're away at Brentford. The Bees have been fantastic at home. They've been pretty good away as well. And they're not going to go down this season. We, we, we pretty much know that, unless something crazy happens. But they're, they're a very good side, and they're at home. I, I don't know if we can every make proclamations. I don't know if we can make proclamations about that for relegation yet. You think there's still a chance it's, they could it's, go down? It's seven, it's seven games in. We both we both agreed in our prediction preseason that Brentford wouldn't go down, but you know, just you know, just using confirmation bias of them starting the season well does not mean that they're going to continue this kind of form like into December and January. It, no, but you can, I would agree. You can tell, you can tell the way that they play yeah. and also their their bench, like the players they have on their like they're much better uh, balanced and and the way they play is much better than a team like Watford or like. Uh, Burnley or Norwich or any of these other teams that are probably going to be the ones that get relegated. So they have a much more defined and impactful uh, way of defending and attacking. Also, none like, of I know those teams mostly... have Ivan Tony. Exactly. I mean, he's the one I'm concerned about. I, I am concerned about this game. Chelsea should be expecting to win it. Obviously, Chelsea have aspirations for winning the Premier League. They went into that October international break leaders after uh, Liverpool and Manchester City I will be very uh, impressed if you guys just come here and win 3-1 and just like take yeah, so, care I mean, business. so would I. So would I. I'll but it, I don't impressed. think it's going to be that easy. If it is a Chelsea win, I think it'll be a, a very tight, maybe 1-0 or 2-1. Uh, but th- there's injury doubts over uh, Romelu Lukaku. I would say 1-0 would be like what sure. you should go for there. But th- there are injury uh, concerns for certain players. I mean, N'Golo Kante is back, which is nice. Uh, and uh, Reese James as well, uh, but Romelu Lukaku left the uh, Belgium international uh, fixtures to to come back to Chelsea early because of a, a muscular injury. So, not entirely sure about about him. And uh, it, it's a game that concerns me because it's away at a West London rival that you know looks to be playing some of the best football alongside Chelsea in London right now. Uh, they they're just fresh off of going to West Ham and performing pretty well and getting a last-minute winner there. They held their own against Liverpool at home in the previous game, drawing 3-3. They have the confidence to you know, put in a performance and, and frustrate Chelsea. And obviously the ultimate X factor is that Anthony Taylor is refereeing the match. You know, our great nemesis, Anthony Taylor. So we'll be, we'll be playing against 12 men next week, 13 if you count uh, the crowd as an extra man. And it's, it's up to players like... Uh, Mason Mount, who's came on during that Southampton game before the international break after being out for a week or so with uh, with an injury and, you know, our overall form suffered as a result. 
it's up to him and then for Timo Werner, I think, to continue his good form that he kind of started before the international break and continued with Germany scoring uh, a brace in their game against North Macedonia where they uh, sealed World Cup qualification. I think the confidence from that, I know it's against North Macedonia, not a big side, but you know they, they still were at the Euros. He's looked uh, good. He's looked good in the he's last looked three good. weeks. He's looked good. It's not... Is it's Rumble, that he looks Rumble's a doubt for this? It's up in the air whether he's going to play. I think he still still will. Uh, I think it was just a precaution that he came back early, but I'm just throwing it out there in case the lineup comes out on Saturday and there's no Lukaku. But, you know, the the combination of him and Werner, it's not quite fully clicking yet, but it's, it's definitely getting there game by game. They've looked uh, better and better together. And I'll go ahead and back us. I was thinking about saying 2-2 for this game, but I'll back us to win 2-1. Ivan Tony is—he's going to score. He's—he's he's too good of a center forward yeah, I think to not win. score against us. They're a very good set piece too. team. They're a very good set piece team, which is you know a threat against any Premier League team. Uh, so yeah, I think they get at least one, and uh, we sort of squeak it at the end. Heartbroken that I'm going to be busy for this one. I'll be busy at a up at a friend's wedding. Shout out to Liam. I actually agree with your scoreline. I'm going to say 2-1 as well, Chelsea. I think Brentford Brentford keep it close. Maybe even go up 1-0. Chelsea equalize and then get a winner and then kind of control the game till the end. But yeah, I think, I think, I think people that don't that don't pay extra attention to Chelsea don't really realize, and I'm not saying this is you, I'm just saying in general, people don't realize how big of an impact that one Mason Mount has on us, you know, I, I could go a whole other 10 minutes on that. And then two, having no Reese James or Reese James going out injured in that Manchester City game. I think we mentioned it on our recap for that, that that was a huge turning point in the game. Reese James was doing very well against Jack Grealish on that, uh, on City's left-hand side. He can play in the back three or as a wingback. Having Aspilicueta play as a wingback week in and week out, it's he's not a spring chicken anymore. He He's good there. But he can't keep playing that wingback role and putting in that effort game after game, twice a week or three times a week. So having Reese James back to, you know, do more of the running up and down that right-hand side, along with Mason Mount, you know, floating all over the place, helping us press and win the ball back. I think that that, that does enough to, to seal the win, regardless of whether Lukaku's fit or not. All right. And moving on to Sunday, we have uh, at 9 a.m., we have the Everton against West Ham. This should be oh, a fun one. game. Yeah, that's a yeah, fun that's, 9 a.m. That's one. That snuck in there. I didn't even realize that was this weekend. These are two teams that are, have had good starts to the season, sit right next to each other in the table. Similar aspirations. They're kind of like the, the second-class club of their, their, West their city. Ham, West Ham, I think, have started off with two wins their, to their Europa League group, which honestly is very impressive considering it's their first season in Europa in, in, in a long time. And yeah, I don't know, just... I think that they're uh, Moyes has them in a good place right now. Antonio, I think, looks to be back. Hopefully, he can stay fit for them. But yeah, he didn't go away with Jamaica this international right. break, which I think is really key. That, that, that's a huge slog of a trip, and then you have to play some Concacaf qualifiers. So, uh, yeah, definitely good for his legs because he's he's like thirty one now. He's not he's not young either. I kind of think this has draw written all over it. Um, I'm going to say one one between these two. A lot of draws this weekend, Javier. A lot of draws. It's an international break. Teams usually, there, there's a lot more draws. I think when you come back for an international break, teams don't want to. Yeah, I, I play see it that. Safe more. I'm, I'm going to give Ever- Everton a bit of credit here. I think I think they have enough at home 
that they win this one two uh, one. I'll be interested to see yeah, if uh, Calvert Lewin's really back. And if they but have, they've been they've been yeah, performing they well Calvert even without or, their best players. Back, um, I could see it too. I could see it too. It's a good call, Alex. It's a good call. Um, after that, we have the second game on Sunday. We have Tottenham against Newcastle, or Newcastle against Tottenham, I should say. Uh, so now Newcastle are at home. We talked about that. A yeah, little we already bit hit on that one. Yeah. Yeah, we already gave our predictions and everything. Yeah. I'll probably right. I'll probably be watching the uh, I guess that's, that's that game's by itself. I'll probably wa- be watching a game on the continent at some point. You know. Uh, All right, and then whatever the last game is game, on. Other the than last that. game of the uh, of the slate of games on Monday. I don't know why we have to play on Monday. Arsenal at home against Crystal Palace. Because you don't have Europe, Javier. That's I hate the it. simple I hate answer it. to it. I have to wait three days to watch my team play. But the anyway, schedule makers just started rubbing their hands together Birdman style when they saw like, you guys didn't qualify for Europe and they thought, oh, we can schedule Arsenal on Monday and then the following Friday because they won't have either Champions League or Europa League to contend with in mid- midweek. The, you, right, you guys me, are just you there to pull an eyeball. Fire away. Arsenal have only won one of our last six Premier League meetings with Crystal Palace. Ooh. That is one win, one loss, and four draws. Did that, you look that one up before or after I asked you off the off the mic whether you're concerned about this game? No, I knew that. I, I read that earlier today on Reddit, and uh, I was just well, like, why, oh, why didn't you bring it up good. to me then? You st- no, I was just I was going to wait for the pod to pull it up, Alex. And uh, I am worried about this game because this Crystal Palace side seemed to be rejuvenated under Vieira, even if they've gone down a goal or two, they still seem to have had the spirit to come back. I think now we've seen it twice this season where they've been down 2-0 and then have come back. And they have some, some great young players in Gallagher and, and Mark Gahey and uh, Joachim Anderson. And I just, I, I'm, I am Well, the concerned. one you need to look out for uh, is... Edward. Uh, yeah, I'm just... Well, the, one, the one that just uh, popped up with a goal in that... Uh, I think, who was uh, it they were playing? I think Eze is back as well. Did you, have you heard of Mikhail Olis? The, uh, the teenager they signed from Reading, he had a back injury uh, going into the season. He's a, he's a no, young French midfielder. He sort of plays as like a floating number 10, but he can also play out on the wing as well. Uh, he's only just started you know, getting back involved with the team. And he had the first goal in the uh, 2-0 or the 2-2 uh, comeback when they were down 2-0 to Leicester at home. Really nice, like, well-taken finish that he just sort of volleyed first time. I'm not sure if he'll even start this game, but it's just an indicator of the the kind of talent that they have at their disposal now. Just basically following up on what you were saying, they've got young, hungry, talented, uh, and intelligent players. I think that's something that is kind of being overlooked. Patrick Vieira is doing a very good job of coaching these inexperienced players into an attacking mold that they're, they're not bad defensively either which I think is a lot to do with those signings you mentioned, but previous Crystal Palace teams, when they tried to do this under Frank De Boer, tried to get on the ball more and push themselves up the field, they were torn to shreds by Premier League teams on the counterattack. They've obviously approached it in a much better way now, and I think they're good for at least a draw at the Emirates. It's it's a far tougher game than any At least a draw. Of- Come on, Alex. A draw would be good for them. They usually draw there, but I'm saying they're better now than they uh, were then. And you guys don't really have the ability to press teams. That Brighton result really, it, it really, um, it really lessened yeah, we're my opinion. Be at home of with you guys. our fans, 
I think we win 2-1. Fine, I'll be respectful and I'll say 2-2. Because I'll I make like it. I mean, Emir- the Emirates, the Emirates still are. I have you back has... to, giving, to predicting us to draw. Only at home. Only at home. That means we're going to win. Let's <laughs> go. Thank you, Alex. But don't you agree that the Brighton game, you're like, yes, I know, it was away in the pouring rain, whatever, the Brighton are playing well. You, just the fact that you guys were not able to sort of put them under pressure when you didn't have the ball, it was really tough for uh, for you guys to effectively press them. That concerned me more than the fact you didn't create many chances. I think you'll create probably slightly more chances against Crystal Palace, but it's the overall control of the game. I think you'll be surprised by how well Crystal Palace do to come to the Emirates, get on the ball themselves, and frankly, even pin you back. I know that sounds like it probably won't happen, but I think that highly of the talent they have and you know just how much Patrick Vieira, one of your former legends, is going to be if sort we of go out and these guys up to beat, go out and perform. Crystal Palace, are you going to be like impressed? Comfortably beat? What would that entail? 2-0 or 3-1? I, I wouldn't say that's comfortably, comfortably beating. If you if you beat them 3-0, I'll be like, yeah, that's a, probably a very impressive performance because Palace have been that good. Uh, yeah, sure, I'll give you that. But I don't think that's happening. I want to see Alex Lacazette start in this. I think we looked a lot better with him in that front four with um, Saka, Smith-Rowe, and Odegaard. I think the way that he holds up the ball, the pressing that he brings to the team is more than what Aubameyang brings which is Aubameyang's runs in behind. But I think that Crystal Palace are going to have, other than Joel Ward, who, yeah, we'll, be, we'll target him, but we, we have Saka and Smith-Rowe who can already target him. I think Gahey, Anderson, Tariq Mitchell, they're all fast, young players. They'll be able to keep up with Aubameyang's runs. I think this is a, player, a, a, a game more for a Lacazette. And I think Arteta needs to learn that on when to start each of these starting forwards. I think the key for this season is going to be when to start each one of those players in what matchups, in what games, and to get the most out of both of them. You know, both of them should be hitting double digits this season with the amount of creative attacking talent in midfield behind them. I think now that we have Thomas Partey looking healthy right now, hopefully nothing happens to him. But if he can get a consistent run in the midfield, he's the type of player that can that can change our fortunes. You know, Jacques is going to be out for a, a, a little bit while, a little while longer, which gives Sambi more time. Yeah, yay, more time to get established in the side. And you know, I think he'll only get better with time. So, I think this is going to be the type of game where he's going to. There's going to be a lot of Crystal Palace players that have similar amount of Premier League experience as he as him. So this might he might be able to find his level in this game. This might be his breakout game where we see him have a, a great performance at home next to a player like uh, Thomas. So. Looking for big things for from Sambi in this game, and then I think it's going to be Tierney who's going to be against Joel Ward. You know he's going to have to to do work on that wing, and he hasn't been great so far this season. But you know, really hoping that he can uh, he can continue his his vein of form. I I know we'll be fine on the right wing. Tomiyasu has been you know even even Kukareya, he was burning him that entire first half, but. Tomiyasu played against him in the second half and and was a lot well, better and adapted. But now so. it's a very different now it's a very different uh, matchup in Wilfred Zaha. Yeah, but it's another, it's a, another a welcome to one. the Premier League. Yeah, probably an even tougher one. But 
We'll see how he does. I'm uh, I'm I'm excited to see again. He he. We kept another clean sheet against them, so you know he's done so far very very well against against very high level opposition and. Yeah, I, I would I would back him somewhat because uh, one of the early indicators to me that I, I felt I was proven right about Reese James when we first brought him back from Wigan, uh, where you know he'd only had one professional season and then was right back at uh, Chelsea. We we play, played a game, a home game at right back in a, in a back four under Frank Lampard against Crystal Palace, and you know it wasn't an amazing Crystal Palace team, but Wilfred Zaha still started, and their their game plan was very much to attack the, you know, young or nineteen at the time, uh, Reese James, and Reese James his physicality and you know overall uh, defensive play really favored him in that matchup, and he he had Zaha in his back pocket as a teenager, so. Tomiyasu, I mean, I wouldn't compare them very much, but Tomiyasu, one of the big factors of his game is his physicality. He's a big presence at like 6'2 or something uh, for a right back. So if he's able to use that physicality in a similar way, I think he could find some success defending Saha 1v1. But like you said, that's that's a really important welcome to the Premier League type moment. It's not Norwich or Burnley anymore. It's uh, it's a far better player. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll stick to 2-2. Uh, that's going to be a really good one. Yeah, no, I think I, th- I think that about sums it up for me. I, I don't think it's going to be an easy game for Arsenal. I'm just happy that we've gotten no apparent injuries from this international break, and hopefully we have our full squad. Um, and I'm excited to see the development of the squad. I think the Brighton game was ugly. <laughs> they were paused. Yeah, it was ugly. But I think in that game, in the past, we would have lost. Most Arsenal teams of the past would have lost a game like two nil. So I think being able to play badly and still be able to keep a clean sheet away from home is the sign of a good team. You know, So as long as we can keep our home form up, keep winning at home and winning convincingly at home, then we can keep building momentum. And as long as we don't get blown away out away from home, then that momentum won't go away. So I think that's what I want to see. Right now, the momentum isn't gone. So let's keep it here and keep a win. I think if we draw or lose this game, it'll 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 mess with us all sorts of ways. So I really want to see a win here to keep the momentum, even if it's close. Are you proud of me, Javier? I haven't completely shot your Arsenal hopes and dreams down. I've allowed you to believe for a few weeks. You know, I know I predicted the draw here, but I don't think I'm it's completely with ridiculous that, with your full first team healthy for you guys, for you to have these sort of you know aspirations. Good for you. <laughs> we should wrap things up there. We've gone gone a bit long, but. That's warranted, I think. Newcastle got taken over after years of misery uh, as a fan base and are God, seemingly going to announce themselves to as a power just, in the Premier League just again. Just bidding $60 million for a Mealsmith row over the summer, and I'm just shitting my pants when they're <laughs> trying to buy all of our players. Apparently, there's yeah. rumors of them trying to bid maybe for Lacazette in, in January, which I'm sure would be There's going to be a lot there's yeah. going to be a lot of those over the next few months. It's uh, I would I would very much wait and see for them because every journalist is going to be using them. So yeah, that being said, let's wrap things up there. Javier, thanks for jumping on with me uh, late tonight to get this recorded before the Premier League returns this weekend. You can follow us on social media at JavierRev9 for Javier's Twitter, at ASMoss92 for my Twitter and Instagram, and at GhostGoalPod for the podcast socials. I want to give a shout out to a, a possible new listener I met last week. Shout out to Yassine, Manchester United fan that uh, I met over the previous weekend. 
uh, out at a, a haunted house of all things. Haven't done that since probably high school. But yeah, I hope you enjoyed this one, man. And I uh, hope that Manchester United uh, fulfill that prediction that I gave out earlier. If you're listening on a podcast app that allows you to rate and review, uh, please go ahead. We would really appreciate it, both Javier and myself. We'd appreciate it if you just went to whether it's Apple Podcasts, uh, the podcast app that you have on your iPhone or uh, Spotify, if you're listening on there rate and review the podcast whatever you have to say it'll help new listeners find the podcast and we'd really appreciate if you guys could help us grow this thing so enjoy the games this weekend and until next time see you